Hey, all you porch project people. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about what is a church. So Chris, you grew up in church. Your father was a pastor and a minister. Uh, you've been in and around the church for a really long time now. So why don't you tell us what is a church to you? Yeah. Um, so a, a church to me is, is a lot more than uh, the typical things that we think of when we think of church. A lot of times we process buildings and steeples and facilities and places of gathering. Uh, and, and that can be an aspect of church, but it is not the church as scripture defines it. Um, the church, in my understanding and how I've read through it in scripture, is the body of Christ. It is the people who gather together in Christ's name. Um, and so the church is much more than just a, uh, a facility. It is much more than just a resource even. It is a group of people comprised of gifts and talents and abilities. It is uh, people who are beloved by Christ and um, who are gathering together with a missional mindset, uh, a great commission mindset of accomplishing the purposes that Christ has given us, which is to go and to make disciples. And so in my opinion, a church is a gathering of disciples, a gathering of people. Uh, who are focused on uh, completing the Great Commission of Jesus together. They've linked arms together, and they are pushing forward. I think it's important in that as we talk through this tonight to understand, too, that I think that there's two different uh, kind of mindsets when it comes to church. There's the local church that we all are part of, people that we locally link arms with, but there's also the global church, uh, which is what we talk about when we think about Christ's kingdom, when we think about the people who make up the body of Christ, um, and that is something that is global. Um, that can be, I, I'm in the same body of Christ, the same church as someone I've never met before on the other side of the world because we have both professed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and are uh, focused on completing the Great Commission. So that's where I've kind of come to with an understanding of, of what the church is, but I'm definitely interested to hear what other thoughts we've got around the table tonight. So it's, as far as... As far as all that goes, I don't really know from a biblical standpoint if there's anything else to add. I completely agree. Um, and I think, um, you know, that from a, I, I guess from hearing the introduction and, and what, we talk, what we're talking about, I, I guess the conversation would lean more towards that um, local church body as opposed to the, the kingdom of God, the global body. Um, but from a biblical standpoint, I completely agree. I think that, um, you know, that, that global is that entire community, um, and it's the body of believers, as well as even with the local standpoint, it's the body of believers. It's not necessarily a church house, and I, I think from that standpoint, you know, that was kind of, I hope, I think that's our kind of our goal in this episode is to more, define, you know, uh, what are the different type of churches. And um, I know that myself, I've been, I guess, in the more traditional sense uh, with the, uh, here's the church, here's the steeple, right? So from that standpoint, um, I've always been within that building. But I know that, you know, if you look back at um, in Acts, at the, at the church, it was not here you know, this building with a steeple on it, it was um, from house to house within um, within the area. Um, there, you know, you see the, um, in Acts chapter uh, 4, I believe, or 5, I'm 
don't quote me on that. Uh, research it yourself. That's what the Bible's good for. Um, but Acts Acts four or five, you know, it's it says that you know that they're in Solomon's portico and then also from house to house. Um, I think that's the end of chapter five. And so we, you know, from a biblical standpoint of what a church actually looks like, you know, that's what the first church looked like. But then as you talk further into that. You get into, you know, like the Church of Ephesus, where it's more of a centralized place. Um, and so I think we have taken it to that point, you know, as far as a church building goes. But once again, the church, uh, from a biblical standpoint, and my personal opinion, is the body of believers. Um, and so there you go. So there's really two different avenues that we can wander down, right? So if, if you look up the word church in the dictionary, I'm looking at Merriam-Webster right now, and, and there are two definitions. There are A and B, and it's really affirming everything that we've already said. There's the A definition that says that it is a building for public worship, uh, specifically Christian worship in, in this definition, or B, a body or organization of organized religious believers. So that's, that's exactly what we've, we've already talked about. We've talked about the facility or the resource of what a church is, so that is the building and the steeple and, you know, all of the, the physical things, the components that make up what the church is, right? Or there's the group of people. So you've, you've each talked about each. So, Pap, what do you, what do you think? When, when you think of the church, what is the first thing that comes to mind? What are the initial thoughts that, that when you hear that word, what, what stands out to you? What speaks to you? What, what can you communicate to other people about what the church is? For me, it's a place. I mean, when I hear the word church, my mind goes to a place. You know, for, for whatever building, whatever place. I've been in churches in Mexico that consisted of a, a, a man's living room that was made up of bamboo slats. You know, I've been in uh, places in Canada on the Indian Reservation that were a tarp spread between pine trees. Uh, I've been in, you know, huge cathedrals to literally backyards. So you've seen it worldwide. But it's a place. You know, when you say, let's go to church, you're talking about a place. When you say, let's let's meet at my church, you're talking about your place. And each believer in the body of Christ should have their place. My church, my, my, my place to go pray, my place to go and hear the word of God, my place to go preach the word of God, my place to go cry, my place to, you know, say goodbye to loved ones, to marry, to you know, baptize, that's my place. And for me personally, you know, just as when I hear the word church, I think of, of my church, my place where, you know, I preach every Sunday, I carry my burdens, it has our pews, our altar, our Sunday school class, and it's a familiar place for me to go meet with God, and I know I can do that anywhere, but it's a special place set aside for anybody in the body of believers to to make it their own, 
you know, to to have their place where they pray, they do the things that, you know, build their relationship with the Lord. And for me, it's it's simply a place, you know, wherever that place is at that moment in time, whether it be, you know, West Virginia Mountains or, uh, you know, Central Independent, that's my place. And, you know, it's a special place. Well, and if you think back to the origin of the church, Will, Chris, both of you guys mentioned some New Testament church examples, but if we go back even further into the Old Testament and you start to think about the tabernacle that the Israelites built, it's exactly what you talked about. It was a place that, that was designed by God so that they could go meet with him. Now, there were parts of the tabernacle where some people could go, and, and there were some parts where people could not go. Uh, there were some places that were reserved for the high priest and, and things like that. But for the sake of this conversation, the Israelite people built and developed a, a place that was set aside and that was special so that they could go meet with God. Mm -hmm. And that's that's kind of where the idea of the church was built, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, you know, <clears throat> because you, if you look prior to um, that them actually having that physical place and them having that tabernacle, you know, they were essentially anytime something happened where they wanted to worship God, it was they built an altar wherever they were. Mm -hmm. um, and so you even get that to a certain extent, uh, which a lot of the times in a lot of the stories that you see, it is uh, essentially one person doing that. But it is, again, that physical place. For communal gathering. Yeah, well, in, in you know, pre-tabernacle, again, you're looking more like singularity, like one person worshiping in this place because of this time. Um, those were usually meant to mark. Mark an area, uh, yeah. Mark a specific event that occurred. Yeah, so yeah. the Israelites crossed the Jordan. They mm -hmm. picked 12 stones out of the river and mm -hmm. set up an altar on the other side of the Jordan, marking the moment and the place. yeah where God performed this miracle mm -hmm. for them. Um, and so it was a place of worship, yeah. but it was more of not so much as a, uh, meant to be a place that people had to return to, yeah, and that yeah, was the yeah. only place to be able to worship, yeah, yeah, yeah. as much as it was to, to mark a special moment that, that they could go back to yeah. and remember the works and the deeds of God, but it wasn't a requirement of worship to attend this specific place. Yeah, and that, that was, that was kind of what I was, re or I was, I guess, trying to get out. I'm glad you articulate better than I do. <laughs> I'm not very good at that. But but that you know that that was a a marker for you know some special event. But it was again a place. And then as we get into the tabernacle, it becomes more of a, a organized place um, where it's not just one person doing one thing and and this happening. It's everybody being able to at, at least come. And yes, there are certain places, certain areas that they can't go to, but everybody could come to that site, whatever it was. And I believe that theory follows even till today from building the altars, you know, they crossed Jordan, they built an altar. Noah got off the ark, he built an altar uh, over and over again to signify special events. But that's why it's so important to, you know, it translate that into today's society that's what makes uh, members of a local church like West Kent. You come in here and, as a stranger, you walk in the doors, 
or at Central Independent Baptist or wherever you call your place, you walk in the door a stranger, but as you continue to attend services, go to, you know, revivals, vacation Bible schools, those events in your life start happening at that place, and that builds that foundation. You you walk in the door and you remember when you got saved. You remember when you had a burden and you took it to the altar and God graciously met that need. You remember when you needed a friend and you found it at that place. And the church members, you know, my church members are my best friends on this planet. And, but they're the best friends because you remember events. And that's what makes the place special. Yeah. So it sounds like really since the beginning of time, we, we know that the fall of man happened and there was a, a separation at that point between God and man. And before the cross, there, there, was, there was that separation. We've talked about sacrifice and we've talked about altars and we've talked about the things that men and, and women had to do to bring themselves back to God. But there's always been this, this longing of community not only with God the Father, but with fellow believers, with brothers and sisters, we've always wanted that that nurturing relationship with one another, and that's where where church occurs. That's where church is is built. That's what happens at a church. So as we move on, there there are several different things that we could talk about here, but there is the building and how the building itself, the actual physical structure has changed because we're not meeting in uh, a tarped room or a tent or anything like that. I mean, we're in a, a brick building right now, so we can talk about the different buildings or we can talk about the people and the differences that, that happen at church, what you see, um, how, it, how you benefit from it, how the church benefits from you. So let's go there. Well, welcome back. While we were away, Chris, you had some really good thoughts on what you wanted to, where you wanted to take this conversation with uh, the the early, early origin of the church, even back before the tabernacle and, and things like that. So why don't you share with them what you just shared with us a couple minutes ago? Yeah, so I think it's important that as we talk about our modern day view of church, you have to understand what God's original purposes were for the church, because it's one thing for us to define it and to say what it is to us, but it's a whole other thing to say, what did God purpose this for? What did he design it for? And we need to submit ourselves to God's viewpoint on that, not, not our viewpoint on that. And so I, as I think through the church a little bit and kind of where it originated, a lot of people jump back to Acts 2, and they, they talk about the early church, and that was spirit-driven right after Pentecost, and God adding to their number daily, and we'll probably talk about that in a little bit, I'm sure. Um, and then some people will jump all the way back, as we already have in this conversation, back to tabernacle and temple uh, worship. But the truth is that the, really the, the purpose of the church began way before that, actually in, in the opening chapters of Scripture. As we look at Genesis uh, 1, 2, and 3, as we look at the creation of the, uh, the garden, we look at the creation of, of the world and the universe that we know, um, and, and then the fall of man and all that happened in that. But there's this interesting passage Right there in the fall where Adam and Eve have just taken of the fruit. They've hidden themselves away in the garden. Um, and then it, it talks about this in Acts chapter 3, verse 8. It says, And then they heard the sound of the Lord uh, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves 
from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Um, and, and the only way I've heard many pastors in the past teach on this passage, and all of them kind of say the same thing here, but the only way that Adam and Eve could know the sound of God walking through the garden is that God had done that with them before. That's good. And so we understand this mindset of like, this was a daily routine between God and man, that God came and he dwelt with his people in the garden and he walked with them in the cool of the evening and he talked with them about their day and it was a place where they could come and they could confess and carry their burdens too like Pat talked about earlier and it was it was that moment of communion between them and God it was a designated time of the day it was a purposeful time of the day um, but Adam and Eve messed that up obviously and, and we have that fall and the destruction of the garden and then we get this long period of history where God is kind of meeting here and there and kind of showing up randomly in people's lives with the call of Abraham, the call of Moses, and the call of all these people. Um, but then we get to the, the uh, story of Exodus where they are in the wilderness and they're, uh, they're wandering through. And then God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to build a place where this can happen officially, right? Where it goes from this fluid thing of me popping up kind of randomly or calling people through these miracles to a place where I can permanently dwell among my people. And he says this in Exodus chapter 29. Um, he's, he's already described to them about how he wants them to build the temple. He's talked with them about the priests and what their jobs will be. Um, and then he comes in uh, around verse 43 of chapter 29 of Exodus. It says, There I will meet with the people of Israel, and it shall be sanctified by my glory. So it's, again, it's not about uh, as much as we want to make it about community, and it is, like Acts 2, very much a community of believers. But God is clear that. The purpose of this tabernacle is not about coming and just fellowshipping and having a great time, uh, but it is about God's glory. It, it's a place where we meet him. So let's let's pause right there for a minute because you said something earlier. You said that uh, the, the church between Adam and Eve and God was a daily routine for God and man. So before you go to on any further with that, who was the church intended for? Because I do think there is a misconception we tend to believe that the church is for us. But what you're saying and what I'm hearing you say is that the, the church was actually intended for God. So, so let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. Where do you think the misconception or misperception is in who the church is intended for? A little bit. It comes out of our own selfishness, a, a little bit. And I'm not saying that there aren't parts of it that are for us. I think that it was for Adam and Eve's good that God met with them in the cool of the garden. Uh, it, it was for the Israelites good that they had a place where they could come and confess sin and perform sacrifices and, and restore the relationship between them and God. The ultimate purpose of that though was to bring God glory and we have to be careful not to distort that. But at the same time, it was good for the people too. It, it was for their benefit that God received that glory. It was for their benefit that that relationship be restored. And so. It, I wouldn't call it a 50-50, right? Where it's like, oh, it's half for God and half for us. No, no, no. The purpose of the church is to bring God glory. That's what we're here to do. So what you're there saying is... There are benefits is to us in that process, though. Every time the doors at the church at West Gant open, it's not for the people's sake. It is absolutely 100% for the glory of God, who is our Father. And, and the same for you, Pap. When, when, the, when the doors of your church open... It's not for your parishioners or your congregation members. It's, it's not for them or their glory, but it is ultimately for God and his glory and his honor and all of those things. Is there anything you can add into that? Well, I've always, I've always said at our church, wherever you know, that was at the present time, uh, our service for me personally, 
my service to God is not Sunday. You know, I go to church, like you said, to to fellowship with the Lord, to hopefully bring glory to Him. But I go to church to my church service, as you would call it, is my benefit. I mean, yes, I go to worship Him, and I think that's the divine purpose in it, but through that worship of Him, I get to benefit. I'm not doing anything for God by going to God's house and meeting with Him, teaching Sunday school or preaching or or working in the church. I'm not giving anything back to God. That's my benefit. That's that's the blessing. Our worship of Him is divine and ordained, I think, from the beginning of time. That fellowship, that walking with God in the garden and that daily commune with God, that's fellowship. But the end result is is our benefit. I'm not I'm not doing anything for God until I leave church and and go out and that's when my service starts. For me personally. My service starts when I, I go to church, get filled up, get what I need, you know, hopefully give God the glory that that He deserves or a fraction of it, and then when I leave church, hopefully I have enough of God's goodness and benefits toward me that I can go out and then effectively serve Him. So when we when we step into the church, we're essentially practicing His presence. And I cut you off a minute ago, Chris, and, and you used a really good word when you said the word dwell. And you were about to reference what Scripture says and, and how many times that particular word dwell is used. So, so why don't you read that for us and yeah. continue on with your thoughts? Well, well, before I don't mean to cut You're you good. off. Cut me off. Right? Okay, but before we get to that, I think um, with what Will was saying, and I, I think we have to go if we take it to the day that we're talking about, right? So we're talking about a Sunday morning service, more than likely or a Sunday evening service, or Sunday service in general. Sunday was our day of rest, right? Or supposed to be our Sabbath, right? If we really look at it from that standpoint, right, it's, it's, it's like payday. It's like, uh, it's, it's like a holiday. Exactly. We've, we've put in all this work through the week, serving and, and trying to make disciples and trying to be a better disciple and all that, and then we come to a service at our church, and we get to celebrate God. We get to worship God, and and through that we get our spirit is is um, restored. Restored, refreshed. yeah, yeah. We're refreshed. We're restored, so that as we walk out of there into the next week, we're ready to serve and and engage again. And I think from from that standpoint, it is the dwelling of God and. And yes, we're sir, or yes, we're praising God, but we're also in the presence of God. And so, being in the presence of God, there's no way to not just worship Him. I mean, it, if you look at you know John, um, as, as he starts in the Revelation, or or uh, anytime somebody was in the presence of Jesus after the crucifixion, the first thing they do is fall on their knees. And praise. I mean, like there's, there's, there, to be in that glory, to be rejuvenated. Like there's nothing you can do 
but to honor God in that moment. And I, I think that's the way we have to approach. And through that honoring of God, we're also rejuvenated kind of thing. Although to clarify, the, the presence of God and his spirit and his movement and things like that aren't confined to the, the physical Location yes. or building yeah, what yeah, the church yeah. is. Yeah, not not like we're talking about Old Testament in the temple or in the tabernacle. Um, you know, now it's within us. But I'm saying, you know, as far as showing up to service and being able to worship, you know, it's it's a time where it's it's not, for lack of a better term, it's not a work day. It's a time where we're able to come, and and it's a time. It should be a time of celebration. It's a celebration of what God has done in our lives. It's a celebration of uh, of what kind of blessings He's poured out on us and how He's He's guarded us and taken us through the week. But as well as a rejuvenating, um, a rejuvenation of our souls to be able to continue because there's just something about worshiping God that puts you in a place where you're ready to continue going. Well, and I think all that was was probably developed because. God can God can and did dwell with people anytime, anywhere, any place. And as the church progressed, then what you're talking about was recognized and experienced and, and felt and believed by the people. But but to go all the way back to, to what Chris was talking about with that dwelling, knowing that, that God and his presence and his spirit was there with them, I, I think I think you need to speak into that a little more. Yeah. Yeah, so that same passage that, that I kind of started in there in Exodus 29, he says, There I will meet with the people of Israel, and it shall be sanctified by my glory. Um, he continues on, if we skip down just one verse, verse 45, he says, I will dwell among the people of Israel, and will be their God, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. And so repeatedly, in these just few verses, these two or three verses, 45 and 46 really, God says over and over again what the purpose of the tabernacle was to be. It was to be a place where God's presence was and a place where God's people could come to experience that presence of God. And so, yes, there is benefit to us by being in God's presence. There is healing. There's restoration. There's a filling of his spirit. There's all of those things when we approach God's presence. But the purpose of the church was just simply that there was a place where we could commune with God, where we could meet with him. And his plan and purpose could happen in those moments. So that sanctification by his glory that we receive, which is a lot of what you're talking about, Will, is just a byproduct of his original design and build. Because his original design and build, as Chris has said, was, was to create an allowance for his glory. And we just get to sit on the sidelines and receive all of those positive, beneficial things that the church offers uh, and and there's that's that's just a real picture of of God's goodness, God's kindness, His uh, love that He has towards His people and His creation, and just the grace that He uh, gives us by allowing us to congregate together and fellowship and just be part of something that is bigger and larger than ourselves. And I think if we follow that all the way through, right? So if we watch that, that the tabernacle eventually becomes a temple, right? That the people of God get through the wilderness, they get through the conquering of the, the promised land, uh, they establish a king, uh, and they build this temple in the third generation of kingship. They go from Saul to David to Solomon, and Solomon eventually eventually creates this permanent structure where God's presence will now have this 
permanent place, um, this, this location that they could go back to. And then over and over and over again throughout the cycle of the Israelites, they, they fall, they mess up, the temple is destroyed, the people are dispersed. Then they repent, they're drawn back, they rebuild the temple, and they worship again in the same place over and over and over again until we get to New Testament times. And we get this interesting story between Jesus and uh, the woman at the well, and, and she asks this very interesting question to Jesus in that moment in that story. She, she talks about the location of worship. She says, you know, our people say that we're going to go up on this mountain and worship, but you say that we've got to go to the temple in Jerusalem. Like, which is it? And Jesus' response to her is, there's coming a day uh, where we'll neither worship at the temple or on the mountain, but God is looking for those who will worship in spirit and in truth. And that day, I believe he was uh, prophesying about his own death uh, because we see that in his crucifixion, the temple veil torn, uh, symbolizing that God's presence was no longer reserved to this location, but that God's presence now goes with us wherever we are, which leads us right back to where we started, kind of, of this idea of the church isn't a building, the church is a people who are filled with God's spirit, and God goes with them where they go. There is something powerful about the gathering of God's people in one location, but the truth is that God's presence goes with us where we go. God, Jesus promises the same thing in the Great Commission where he says, go therefore into all the world and make, make disciples, uh, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded, and lo, I'm with you always until the very end of the age. His presence goes with us wherever we go. So, so far we've, we've talked a lot about what the building of the church is, and we've talked about the tabernacle, and we've talked about you know, God dwelling with his people, and, and we've talked a lot about those type things, but now I think we need to transition from the building and the structure and the physicality of what the church is to the actual people of the church. We're all pastors here. We all minister to people. We all have a heartbeat and a love and a care for people, so let's talk about how the church can, can help them in their day-to-day -day lives, activities, how they can benefit from the function of the church and what the church in general has to offer them. Chris, you had some thoughts that you wanted to share with, yeah. with those things. So the cool transitional part about that in scripture is that there is a transitional part where it goes from a facility to a people. I mean, it just does naturally with Jesus's crucifixion. Um, he goes to the cross. He is, he's in his last moments. He breathes his last. And scripture tells us that in the midst of this earthquake and the sky going dark and all of these uh, miracles of nature occurring in this moment of God's um, sorrow being poured out on nature, um, all of a sudden we also see the temple veil be torn from top to bottom, which is incredibly important uh, in the life of the church because what that symbolized was that there was this isolated location of God's presence where only certain people had access to it at certain times of the year and with certain celebrations. And now... God's presence is no longer restricted to just this, this little bitty area. But now God's presence goes with us everywhere. And then shortly after that, we, we get to the book of Acts, and we see the people um, gathering together in Jerusalem, and the day of Pentecost occurs, and 3,000 people give their lives to Christ, and it's in this incredible movement and the outpouring of the Spirit. And we get this passage in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. It says, and they, and they, being all the people who've now just joined this movement of Jesus, um, through the day of Pentecost, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, into the fellowship, into the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So a couple quick things about that passage, and then we'll just chat through that real quick. But there are four big things that happened to those people. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, number one. So as we think about the purpose of church, modern-day New Testament times, one of the aspects of church that has to be there is a devotion to the teaching of Scripture, the, 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 the writings of these apostles, um, the writings of uh, the teachings of Jesus. Um, then it was to the fellowship. So there is an aspect of like, let's gather together in community going mm-hmm. all the way back yeah. of like, while the purpose of the church may be to bring God glory, again, a benefit of that is that there is this fellowship of believers where we can come together, equip one another, challenge one another, hold each other accountable, encourage one another, all, all of those things. Uh, thirdly, to the breaking of bread. So there is a sharing of meals. Uh, and yeah, Wes, even you got to share meals, Wes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. But so the next uh, <laughs> next potluck, uh, Wes is first in line to go through. Ooh. Listen, I participate in the potlucks as long as Tyler makes my plates. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We'll make sure Tyler does that for you. But yeah, <laughs> Tyler being his friend is yeah. funny. And I will say, Tyler did that before anybody else touched yep. the food. So you were good, man. You were good. Uh, But the breaking of bread, and then lastly, prayers. So there's this idea of sharing meals, and specifically, by the way, in that the breaking of bread has a lot of symbolism to Jesus' Last Supper, uh, the breaking of bread, and the the taking of his body and his blood, uh, which that we can do a whole different series on that. Uh, But those four things. But then we also have to differentiate. A lot of people use that, and they'll talk about this thing about uh, doing things in their homes, and they'll use that as an excuse to do away with the location that Pat loves so much, being able to come together. But here's what I love about that. It answers that question for us too, verse 46. It says, and day by day, um, they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Mm-hmm. And so there was, there was no longer this divide between what happens at home and what happens at church. There's not, oh, this happens here, but on Sundays or Saturdays for them, we go do this. It was no, there, there is, uh, Christ goes with us. His spirit goes with us wherever we go. Church happens wherever we are whether that's in home, at home sharing a meal together or at church on a Sunday morning worshiping together at the temple or modern-day churches. Um, but God's presence is there, and the purpose is still the same, God's presence dwelling with his people wherever they go. And so I think when we think about the practical side of this, right, because that's where we've got to go. It's like, all right, you're sitting at home listening to this podcast. You've heard 30 minutes so far or more of, hey, what the purpose of the church is is like, what does that mean for you sitting and listening to that and hearing the fact that the purpose of the church is to be in God's presence and now God's presence dwells in us? How does that impact how we do day-to-day life as modern-day believers? And so I'm just curious what y'all think about that. So, Will, I will say that one Old Testament tabernacle tradition that I wish that we could bring back would be when the priest would enter into the Holy of Holies, they would tie a rope around his waist in case he were to pass away you know, they knew that they could not enter into that place, so they would literally drag him out. So when, when Chris starts to get long-winded, we could just drag him <laughs> oh, out. Yeah. Assuming, exactly. Shepherd's hook from exactly. the side, grab him by the neck and pull him out. Either that or instead of him wearing the bells, we'll just have a big cowbell and just ring it <laughs> like it's time, you know. I actually have a cowbell on my pulpit. <laughs> the last two Sundays I have preached no longer than 30 minutes. And I was and I was about to say that. I finally have rubbed off on him a little bit. Though he had, what, three verses the Sunday before last? And, and the one past, verse. And one verse. <laughs> and then this week I've got like 12. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's going to be insane. Yeah. Um, but on a more serious note, so, so with – with the church and 
how it applies to us and how we can receive and, and take away from God's plan, his provision, his guidance, the things that he is giving us as a loving, kind God. Like, how can we walk out of a physical building and structure better and more improved than we walked in? Well, I, I think I think it, it goes to the dynamic, right? <clears throat> to me, it's not necessarily about where you're at when it comes to a church. It's not it's not about whether it's in a house or it's it's in a field with a with a tarp over the top. It it doesn't it doesn't matter where you're at. Um, the biggest thing is is the scriptures being read, being taught, being preached, whatever. Does it point towards Jesus? Is it pointing towards God as far as giving him worship or praise or reverence or whatever the case may be? Are are we going with a heart that is for that? Are we going with a heart that is for Jesus to praise, to worship, to, to whatever? Or are we going for with a heart that is, what can I receive? Because, once again, as Chris said, it goes back to that heartbeat. If And, and that's kind of the, the overlying thing with God, right? It always goes back to the heartbeat. Is it for God or is it for me? And as we go to church and, and we do that, if we show up and, and it, it affects all of our churches where people show up and you don't have this and you don't have this and we want a church that has this. But that's not what God designed or that's that's not the way we should approach church, right? So it goes back to that heartbeat. So as we look at that, is the scriptures being taught? Is Jesus... Or, you know, being the one pointed to, is he getting the praise and the worship and the glory, or is it the person who's teaching the scriptures or the person who's leading the music? As we show up, are we the ones, are we showing up with a heartbeat that is set to worship, praise, be in the presence of God? Are we showing up to, hey, what can you give me? And then finally, are, are we, again, with the people around us, are we set for that community? Right? The, the, are, we, are we set for the fellowship? Or again, are we showing up in a mindset of, I'm going to show up, walk in, get what I need, and walk out as quick as I can, and I don't have to worry about it? Because that to me, you can sit at home, read scripture, and that's not church. You, you have to be there with the people. So it, it, the place is kind of fluid to a certain extent to me I, I do think that you have to have some place right because then we can we can claim well me being at the house by myself reading scripture that's it right but that you've got to have that fellowship aspect so there, there has to be that place that you go but once again it's all about the heartbeat with whatever the place is exactly well there's got to be an expectancy you've got to expect couple of things to happen. You've got to expect to walk into a place where you dwell with the Spirit of God, but you've also got to expect to commune and gather and fellowship with other believers. And in that communal and in that gathering and in that fellowshipping with other believers, there's got to be some some humility on your part. There's got to be some some vulnerability on your part. You've got to let some some 
hypothetical walls come down so that you can be open and honest and transparent with where you're actually at so that you can meet people where they're at and you can love on one another and you can share the love of God with others and you can receive it at the same time. That's, that's essentially what we've been talking about. We've got this facility that we've been blessed with. We've got these resources with musicians and pews and all of these different things that make up the church, but there also has to be an expectancy of the church to occur. When we close our service every single Sunday, we say the church service may be ending, but the, the, the work of the church is just now beginning. So you have to expect to be able to roll your sleeves up and love on one another and actually do the work of the church, whether that be to your brother, whether that be to your wife, whether that be to the people you work with, whether that be to the people in the community that you, you interact with every single day. There's got to be an expectancy of you and there's got to be an expectancy from you. Pap, you're shaking your head. What are your thoughts? I agree with it. I agree with all of you. Uh, church, you know, we've talked a lot about a lot of things, the different aspects of it. But church, if you all boil it down to one aspect, it's the only place on planet Earth, wherever your particular place is, that God Almighty ordained, bought, and paid for by the blood of His Son set aside for the transformation of the human being. It's the place that you can walk in lost, walk out saved. It's the place you can walk in defeated and walk out refreshed. And I agree with what Will said and what all of you said. It's the people that make that up. And that's the one thing you can't get at the house. It's the one thing you can't get anywhere else except and I believe that's divinely inspired by God, the people, the body of Christ, the fellow believers that you worship with and make part of your life on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, whenever you attend your church. When I walk in my church and, and my friends come in, the people that I worship with on a weekly basis, when they come in, when I'm carrying a load, they sense it and they help pick that load up. When they're carrying a load, I sense it, and I help bear their burdens. It's the place that God set aside, bought and paid for, that transforms lives like no other place on planet Earth. Well, and I want to take that a step further because we keep talking about our church and, and things like that, but, but going all the way back to God's original design of the church, it's not just for us, right? The church has open doors for every single person on planet Earth, as you just said, the church is is free access to anyone that's willing to receive it. So when when we talk about the church, it's it's not just for believers; it's just as much for people who don't yet believe or people who are lost that need that free gift of salvation that that God offers through His Son Jesus. Uh, old pastor joke that I've heard a thousand times is, you know, there was there was a young lady who attended a church. And the pastor went up to her after service and said, hey, next time you come, you should dress a little bit more appropriately. So the lady goes home, week passes by, she comes back to the church wearing the exact same outfit that she had, she had on the week before. The pastor goes up to her again and says, hey, you should dress more appropriately next time you come here in a little bit more of a stern voice. Week goes by, she doesn't think anything of it, it happens a third time. Well, after that third time, the pastor comes up to her and says, hey, Maybe you should ask God what you need to be wearing to his house. 
meaning that church. So the lady goes home. She asks God, what do I need to be wearing when I come back to this church? She gets no answer. So she goes back the fourth week wearing the same thing because it's all that she had. And the pastor says, did God not tell you anything? And she says, no, God said he's never been here, so he doesn't know what to tell me I need to wear to this church. So the church is for anybody and everybody. It's not a private country club that's exclusive where you have to be wearing shirt and tie and jacket. The church applies and is applicable to every single person that will step through the doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that you know, the, the people of the church whether it be your church on sunday my church on sunday or whenever you meet when you walk in when the people in the church have the right relationship with god that that person that walks in they're going to feel something different they're going to sense something different they're going to feel something different there when you the bible says when you lift him up he told in the moses in the wilderness you lift him up the serpent He'll draw people to him. The same thing applies today. If if a church lifts up Jesus Christ, lifts up what he did for us, when somebody walks in our church, whether it's the first time or the hundredth time, they're going to feel a drawing like no other. And that drawing is what keeps people coming back. It's, that drawing is what makes somebody know this is home. And when a church turns from a building to a place of refuge and a home, there's no better way to glorify God than for somebody that was lost and undone come to his house, meet him, and become part of his family. That happens at church. That's right. A lot of good things that happen at church. We would... You know, as, as we do close this episode, we would invite you to continue this conversation with us. There are several different platforms that you can reach out to us on. We've got a Facebook page. There's an email address that's affiliated with that Facebook page. If you need, uh, any of us sitting around this table would be willing to reach out to you personally and have that, that one-on-one private conversation. So we'd love to have that, that conversation with you and just continue the conversation around what is a church. And if you have any stories that you would like to share about, you know, what you have experienced with or in a church, we'd love to hear it. So we've got several more episodes coming, so stay tuned. Also, let me add, uh, be sure to like and subscribe and and follow and all those wonderful social media share. things. Share and, and all that to get the word out. Um, and with that being said, if, if there is anything that you need, if you've listened to this podcast and and, and you're going through some stuff and you need prayer, we ask that you you just reach out to us. And if you don't have a clue about this Jesus guy and you're like, I stumbled upon this and I have no earthly idea, but I want to know more, feel free to reach out to us. We would be so glad to walk you through that process of getting to know him. Um, and we appreciate it. Join us next week. <laughs>